Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio, that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. Well, good morning, Three Creeks. My name is Joel, and I get to be the pastor here, and welcome to Easter Sunday. Uh, I know some of you guys are going to get this, and I'm old school enough to do it. Uh, He is risen. Yeah, man, it feels good once a year to get to do that with some people. And if you are here uh, for the first time, we just want to say welcome, that we're, we're pumped that you're here. And if you're uh, part of the Three Creeks family, man, what a great day uh, to get to celebrate all that God has done for the past year. We've been back in our in-person services for a year here at Middle School West, and uh, it feels it's a little surreal to, to, for it to already feel like a year. But, you know, Easter, when you're a pastor, all year, you kind of keep your eyes out and your ears out for that one killer Easter illustration, you know? Like, I know this one's coming, and so I really got to nail Easter, because if I nail Easter, then some of you guys might come back for Christmas. And so uh, I really, you know, I got to bring it for the Super Bowl of, of Sundays. And so all year, we, I, I keep my eyes out and my ears out for this, uh, you know, one Easter story, Easter illustration. And a couple of months ago, uh, my family and I, my wife, uh, Morgan, was just standing here a minute ago. We've got three little kids. We were, we spent a weekend away and we were driving back home and it was about a two hour drive. We're all pretty tired from the weekend away. And about an hour outside of Columbus in Mansfield, we stopped for dinner and you can judge me, but we went to McDonald's and we went and we got in the drive through and you know, it's happened just about every time. Judah, Cooper, what do you guys want? Do you want a cheeseburger? Do you want nuggets? And Judah says, I want a cheeseburger. And so we get in the Happy Meal with the cheeseburger. And then before we are out of the McDonald's parking lot, he changed his mind to nuggets, right? We, we know this experience. And so he's, uh, then he gets upset that he doesn't have nuggets. And I'm like, dude, you wanted a cheeseburger. So he starts crying. We're starting to get towards full meltdown mode about the cheeseburger nuggets situation that he's got back there. And and uh, after 30 minutes, he had taken one bite of his cheeseburger. And I also was a little grumpy, a little tired. So I start, uh, you know, I start giving him the eyes in the, in the rearview mirror, like, boy, you're going to eat that cheeseburger, you know? And, and then we get to like 30 minutes to go. And I said, son, if that cheeseburger isn't gone when we get home, you're getting, then you can judge me again, but you're getting some spanking, son. And my wife told me I wasn't allowed to say that, but then I'm like, ah, this is an honest church. I can, I can bear everything. And, and uh, we, so I said, son, you're getting some spankings. And so he starts freaking out. He doesn't even know what 30 minutes is. He thinks that's an eternity. So he doesn't really hustle that much. And he's still, I mean, it's starting to turn colors. It's all cold now. And I just keep giving the eyes, boy, you better eat that cheeseburger. And uh, finally, he doesn't understand the concept of time, but we turn on Morse Road and he's like, oh shoot, we're like five minutes from home. And so he starts putting the thing in his mouth. He's gagging. I'm thinking, I don't know if this is a good idea. And uh, he's just, and he's crying and he's trying to put in his mouth. And at this point, I have no graciousness, no patience left. And I'm like, shove it in there. And, uh, and so then, <laughs> then we turn on Steltzer and it's like, oh, we're really close now. And so he's trying to eat this thing, but he's still, he's got like 60% of this thing left and he's holding it crying. He's thinking about these spankings. And, 
out of nowhere, Cooper, my daughter, she goes, she can feel for Judah. She's been quiet this whole time, but she just feels for him. And she says, dad, mom, I have an idea. And we're like, what Cooper? And she goes, can I help Judah? And I was like, yes, you can help Judah. This is going to be my Easter illustration. (laughs) (laughs) So Cooper, listen to how this goes, Cooper. I go into like full dad pastor mode. I like turn on the river, (laughs) 104.9, just for some background music. And I'm like, you guys, this is a picture of the gospel. Like Judah couldn't do it, but Cooper did it for him. You know, like Judah, you didn't deserve this, but Cooper, she stood in your place, son. And I've given him all these lines and we start pulling into the driveway. And, and I, I said, Cooper, how did that thing taste? And she said, oh, I didn't eat it. I said, what? She said, it's right here in the cup holder. <laughs> I said, go put your pajamas on, get to bed. My Easter illustration is ruined, but I still worked it in, apparently. Uh, you guys, the gospel, though, this, this story of somebody taking it for somebody else, the this, this story of Easter, of, of the crucifixion and the resurrection, it's on one hand so simple that a kid can get it, and yet so miraculous that we're still coming to grasp of what it means for us. Whether you've been following Jesus for a long time or you're just here for the first time, None of us have fully figured out how much God loves us. And that is, that is the mystery in some ways of Easter. Back in, uh, back in Three Creeks Kids today, they're teaching these kids, at least in the oldest class, I know in the jellyfish and the crabs, they're, they're sharing the gospel with these kids and, and they're, they're taking this green one and they're talking about the whole world and they're making a circle and then they're, they're taking this, uh, this black one and they're kind of making a heart out of it and then they're, they're going to break it and they're going to talk about this broken heart because of sin. And then they're going to take uh, the brown one here, and they're, well, I guess I probably should have got two of those, but uh, they're going to talk about the cross of Jesus Christ. And then at the end, they're going to talk about this whole heart, and they're going to make hearts out of these things. And these kids, like even though they're just five, six, seven years old, they're going to be told about this, this person and, and, and love of Jesus. And and they're all going to be invited back in Three Creeks Kids if they want to give their whole heart to Jesus. And what's cool is we were thinking about you parents, and as a parent, uh, I just thought, man, I want to be a part of that with my kid. I don't, don't want that to, I don't want that to happen without me getting to be there a little bit. And so we made these cards, and all the kids are going to come home with these. And on the back, there's just some instructions for the parents, like, if your kid raises their hand and says, yeah, I do want to give my whole heart to Jesus, then you as a mom, as a dad, are going to get to kind of walk through that decision with your kids. I was five years old on an Easter Sunday, and this happened to me. I, I feel like I got it, and I still remember it. And I went home that night, and I said, Mom, I think I understand what Jesus did for me. And she prayed with me on my bed in April of 1991, And that is when Jesus came into my life and forgave me for my sins. And so on Easter, I get real excited every year, not just about what goes on in here, but what's going on over there in Three Creeks Kids. And so if your kids are back there, you can expect, hopefully, if they're old enough, to snag one of these and and have a cool conversation after church. The the thing about Easter is, and, and, and this is probably typical in most churches, but it's definitely definitely how Three Creeks goes. Three Creeks, 
just about every Sunday, but especially on Easter, there's a pretty wide variety as to where people are at spiritually in this room. Because there are people in here right now who have been in church every Sunday for 30 years. And just about every week here at Three Creeks, there's somebody, and this is their first 30 minutes in church in 30 years. Or maybe their first 30 minutes in church ever. We've got people that are here who are all in, who count down the days until Easter. And we've got people who are in here because their wife made them come. And we've got people in here who love Jesus with all their heart. And we've got people in here who have a lot of questions and are pretty skeptical. And, and, and there's people in here who you, you might love Jesus and you're, you're good with that, but you're like, man, the church, I don't know about that. Or you may be against that. There's just, I'm just trying to lay a, set, uh, let you know that as I, as I think about what to share, I've got to go, man, there are people all over the place in their relationship with God. And so as I thought about what to share with you this morning, I, uh, I want to share with you what I consider to be the most relatable passage in the Bible, no matter where you're at. No matter where you are at, I think this is the most relatable. I read it. There's other parts of the Bible. Let's be honest. It's like, ah, man, I read the story of Noah. It's like, I don't think I'm going to have to build a boat like that. You know, I, I, I read about David. It's like, I'm not a king or a shepherd. I read about Jonah. It's like, like to fish. Don't think I'm going to find myself in one. I, I read about Jesus even, and I go, man, I want to be like Jesus. And there's a lot about Jesus's life that I want to embody, but there's a part of his life I don't want to embody. Like I, I, and I don't think the chances are high that me or you will be crucified at some point in this life. And so, so there's parts of the Bible that are relatable, but there's others that aren't. But today I want to tell you about the most relatable passage in all of the Bible. I think you'll, I think you'll go through this with me and you'll be like, man, that, that I can relate to that no matter where you are on your spiritual journey. I titled today's message, one word, freedom. And as I prayed about what to share with you, I just feel like God put it on my heart a hundred times. Tell them about freedom. God wants to set some people free today. God wants, to, God wants you and God wants me and God wants all of us to experience a level of freedom that we haven't felt in a while. Because if we're honest, we, we're coming in here. If you, if you reflect on all of your life, you go, man, the last couple years have not been a walk in the park. And I am feeling a certain amount of weight that I was not feeling even a couple of years ago. And I just, I just want you to know that God wants you to experience a level of freedom this morning that you haven't experienced in a long time, maybe ever. And I want to walk through this passage where Paul, who in the Bible is kind of this like superhero Christian, even he, as he writes this, he writes it and he goes, man, I feel like this guy's in my head. I feel like this guy's saying what I'm thinking. It's the most relatable passage in the Bible because if you look around the world and you, you watch the news or you get on social media or you fill up your gas tank, you go, we got problems, man. We're in trouble and things aren't trending the right direction. Everything's more expensive the war is still going on. How can people be so evil? And I could give 50 more illustrations or of thoughts that we have where we come to the conclusion, man, we're in trouble. We've got some problems here, and I'm concerned about the trends of things. And Paul, 
talks about weight and talks about trouble and talks about problems. And then at the end, he talks about a way to experience freedom in the midst of it. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 7. He says in verse 14, he goes, the trouble is with me. For I'm all too human, a slave to sin. And I know that's not probably a popular message on Easter. You probably hope that I would tell you that you were awesome. But Paul goes, the problem isn't just everywhere else. The problem is in me. I am all too human. I'm a slave to sin. Keep in mind, this guy is a super, super Christian at this point when he writes this thing. He goes, the problem isn't everywhere else. The trouble is with me. And in verse 15, hear me out. He says, I don't really understand myself for what I want to do is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. What I want to do just doesn't seem like I can do it, but everything that I don't want to do, the stuff that I hate, that's the stuff that I do. And when Paul writes that, I go, man, I can relate to that because I really want to eat healthy, but pizza, right? It always kills me. Why do they have to have pizza for the party? I don't, I, I don't want to spend tons of time scrolling on my phone, but I don't want you to look at my screen time statistics. It just seems like I do what I don't want to do. I want to graciously parent my kids with kindness and patience, and, and this is my my strongest desire in life is to raise my kids in a gracious home, but sometimes they drive me nuts. And sometimes I snap and I got to ask for forgiveness. It feels like what I want to do is so hard to do. And what I don't want to do, that's the stuff I do. I, I, we, we say things like, I, man, I want to invest in my marriage. And I want to go on date nights. And I want to serve without being asked to serve. But time just gets away from you. I don't want to look at that website, but I looked. I don't want to lose my temper, but I snapped. I don't want to worry, but I do. In fact, I worry about how much I worry. I worry that my worry will cut my life shorter. That stresses me out. And so all this stuff that we say that we want to do seems so hard to do. And all the stuff that we say, I don't want to do that, that's the stuff we end up doing. So when Paul writes this, I go, man, I can relate to that. But then Paul kind of explains it a little bit. The next verse, he says, I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I read that and I go, man, that kind of explains it a little bit. Because a lot of my intentions, like I'm, I want what is right, but it just doesn't seem like I can stay the course. Where, but he says, it's sin living in me that does it. It does feel like there's a battle going on in my head. It does feel like I have good days and bad days, and some days I win and some days I don't. It does feel like there's a war going on within me. And he explains it even further. He says, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. Even Paul, super Christian, says, I have a sinful nature. And there's a, there's a popular idea out there that we are, are born good with good natures. And it's like, man, I would love for that to be true, but it is not true for me. We are all born to rebel, and we're born to run from God and what is good. I don't know about you, but it doesn't come naturally for me to be humble. It doesn't come naturally 
for me to serve. It doesn't come naturally for me to be patient or to be kind. Those, those things, God's got to do a lot of work in my life to get me to those places, but that's not my nature. And Paul's going, nothing good. This explains why there's such a battle going on because nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. Paul just, he doubles down. He echoes it again. Look what he writes. He goes, I want to do what is right, but I can't. And I want to do what is good, but I don't. He says, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. And if I'm writing the JTIV translation, which is Joel Trainer International Version, for those verses, I go, man, I want to be generous with my money and my time, but I can't. I want to eat vegetables, but I don't. I don't want to avoid my children and go sit in the bathroom and lock the door and just scroll on my phone for 15 minutes, but I do. Sometimes I stay there so long that my legs go numb. <laughs> You're laughing because it's true. I'm just saying, man, there's this, there's this stuff that we want to do that seems so hard to do, and this stuff that is so good, it just seems, why is it so hard to do that or, or stay faithful? It just feels like there's a war going on within me. And Paul writes it. He explains, he goes, if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's the sin living in me that does it. He goes, I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. And he brings it all together in verse 23. We're going to stay here for a couple minutes. There's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power that makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Let me read that again so we don't go too fast and you miss it. There's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. There's sin living within me. And this is, this is what that feels like. It's like, man, I, uh, I try a lot to stay pure and to keep my eyes from stuff I shouldn't look at. But man, there are just times, like I've gone, I've gone months, I've even gone years before maybe without looking at that kind of stuff, but recently I've had a hard time saying no, and nobody knows about it, but man, there's just this like sin living within me. There's this battle going on in my head, and it's, I don't know what to do about it. Nobody knows about it, but this is, this is my struggle. And, and then it, it, uh, it, it manifests itself like this, like man, like I know I shouldn't work so much. Like, I, I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great mom. I want to be a great spouse. And I know that I shouldn't work so much, but man, time just flies when I'm at work. And I just look up and it's like, man, it's already 6.30. And I've, I've told myself that I'm going to change, but I just haven't been able to make these chains, these changes. And it just feels like this is my struggle, man. And I don't, I don't, it's not like I'm trying to worry it's not like I'm trying to be filled with anxiety. It's not like I'm, that's not what I'm waking up in the morning hoping my day will feel like. But man, 
Like, I just can't seem to get peace in my life. This is my struggle. I wish that I had raised my kids differently. I wish I could have a do-over. That's my struggle, because I blew it. At least it feels that way. That I just can't, I just, I just am addicted to it. Whether it's alcohol, or it's food, or it's busyness, or it's your phone, it's not like you wanted to get there, but you just go, this is my struggle, man. There's like this like battle going on within me. Like, I don't want to do it, but I just did it. And now nobody knows, and I don't know what to do about it. Or how about this one? Man, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for a long time, but it just does not feel like I'm as good as a Christian as some of these other people I know. And it has been a long time since I've been faithful in church. And if people only knew, if people only knew what I was doing when I wasn't there, and I, you know, I just, I hardly ever, if I'm being honest, if I, I hardly ever read my Bible, and I, and I really don't pray, and I want to, but I just, I just can't. I just can't keep doing it. And this, this is what that life feels like. These are heavy, I'm telling you. This is what that life feels like. That, that if, if only they knew, if they really knew who I really was, they wouldn't love me, they wouldn't even like me, they wouldn't, probably wouldn't even let me come there. And I'm, I, Easter's the worst at, at people coming in and putting a smile on and getting your matching clothes and find the eggs and take the family picture. And it's like, you can still smile when you wear chains. Look, how are you? I'm so good. I'm feeling great. You can still smile when you wear chains, but on the inside, does anybody else feel like this? Does anybody else feel not just maybe the mistakes, not just maybe the sin, not just maybe the regret, but does anybody else feel the shame or the guilt associated with those things? Because, you know, I know some people who say that they're Christians and they still feel like this because they actually haven't let God take all the guilt and the shame away yet. They know the principle that we're forgiven and we're free, but they don't feel like it. And Paul, he says in verse 24, he says, this is what this life feels like. He says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Oh man, what a miserable person I am. I can put on a front with the best of them, but oh, on the inside, what a miserable person I am. I've got, I've got so much going on. And he goes, what a miserable existence. What a terrible way to go through life. And if the story stopped here, if Paul just stopped after chapter 7, we'd be like, man, that's the worst story ever. This is not good news. This is not the gospel. But the good news for us is that the story doesn't stop here. And Paul keeps guiding us through 
this experience that we're having as humans, where we do what we don't want to do and what we do what we want to do we can't do, and, and oh, what a miserable experience this is, the, the weight that that life feels like. Paul, he keeps talking us through the experience in, in chapter 7, verse 25. It's the last verse, I think, of chapter 7. He says, who, not what, who, will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death and chains and weight and pain and regret? Who can free me from that? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ. And this is really important because that sounds simple and it is simple, but we get that wrong because for me, if, you, and if you're anything like me, my inclination is to try to work some of these chains off. Kind of earn my freedom a little bit, you know? Like, man, I, I know I shouldn't have looked at that, but if I spend three months without looking at it, maybe this chain will fall off. I know I shouldn't be working and neglecting my family like that, but if I could just make a couple changes after three months, I'll bet you these chains will fall off. Man, I know that church hasn't been a priority and stuff, but like maybe if I start going maybe two or three times a month, maybe these chains will fall off. Right? And I try to earn it. I'm overwhelmed with worry. I'm just constantly anxious, but if I get that massage and organize the pantry, maybe these chains will fall off. And we come up with all of these attempts to get these chains to fall off. And Paul said, listen, who's going to free you from this stuff? The answer is not in your effort. It's not in your work. The answer is in Jesus Christ. It's as if Jesus looks at us and says, man, those chains look really heavy. And it does not appear as though you are handling them very well. But fortunately for you, I can handle them. And in, in, verse, in, in chapter 8, verse 1, Paul says, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, he, has, he says, so now there is no condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. In other words, if you believe in and belong to Jesus Christ, you don't need to wear these chains anymore. He, he goes on in verse 3 and says, God, look at this. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sin. These are really heavy and it's a miserable existence to go around smiling, shaking hands and saying, I'm good. And on the inside, you're just like, man, if anybody knew what was going on in my marriage, if anybody knew what was going on in my home, if anybody knew what was going on in my heart or in my mind, it's a miserable existence. But Paul says, God declared an end. And the answer is in Jesus Christ. The answer is saying, I can't wear these chains anymore. Will someone take them off me? I cannot earn them off of myself. Will somebody take it? And Paul says the answer is in Jesus Christ. God declared an end to sin's control over me. And he declared an end to the impact that sin has on me. And he declared an end to the shame 
that I feel and he declared an end to the pain that I feel. He declared an end to all of it. And I can't earn the, my way. I've got to rely on somebody else's work and somebody else's effort. And that answer is in Jesus Christ. And it's only in Jesus Christ. And you can work your whole life to try to get better so that you feel better. But the answer, the answer to freedom in life is Jesus Christ. He's the only person that can take it away. You can't work yourself out of it. The sin always outweighs the good. There's a battle going on within us, and the answer is only in Jesus Christ. And that goes for people that have been following Jesus for a long time, and it goes for people who, have, who are here for the first time, and you're, you're beginning to form this, this idea that maybe, maybe freedom is found in God. Either way, no matter where you're at, this is so relatable because all of us, no matter where you're at, we're tempted to wear the weight that we were never, we were never created or intended to wear it. That's why it feels so heavy. And God looks at everything that you've ever done, everything that you'll ever do. And he says, I can handle that, but you can't. You can't handle that. There's freedom, and it's only found in Jesus Christ. You guys, a couple weeks ago, my daughter Cooper, she got in trouble. I think, she, I think Morgan asked her to clean her room, and she didn't. And uh, she felt bad about it. And so I was in there talking with her on her bed, and she looked at me. She's crying. She goes, Dad, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? Yes, of course, you're my kid. Of course, I'll forgive you. And then she took it one further. She said, Dad, will you always forgive me? I said, yes, Cooper, I will always forgive you. I'm your dad and I love you and I will forgive you. I grabbed her face. I said, I'm going to forgive you forever. And in that moment, I just thought about this this relationship that I have with God. Like, I am his child. I have given my whole heart to God. He has adopted me into his family. And so, and so we have this relationship. And I, I, just, I just pictured going to him with, with all of the secrets that I have. They're not secrets to him, but I think they're secrets. And just going and being like, God, like, will you forgive me? And he says, yes. And if I took it one further and I said, but God, will you keep forgiving me forever? He would say, yes. And then God would one-up me. God would one-up me and he would say, Joel, not only will I forgive you forever, but I already have. I already know all the stuff that you're going to do and think and feel and say, and I've already forgiven you. And so for one second, you don't have to wear a chain any longer. You don't have to wear a chain ever again, Joel, because I forgive you for all of it. And I already have. And now, because of what Jesus Christ has done for me, I'm free. And the smile that I put on doesn't have to be fake. And I still make mistakes, but there's a lot of grace that I tap into. In fact, unlimited grace that I tap into as a child of God. Here's how I want to end my message. 
in our service. The band's going to come up here in a second, and we're going to sing a song about freedom. It's a song about chains and a song, a song about bondage. And there's a, there's a line in the song that says, let us sing our freedom song. And, and when, when that line comes, it's like two-thirds of the way through the song. So for the first two-thirds of the song, I just want you to just take some time to consider what chains you might be wearing. What do you need to be freed from? What weight are you wearing? What did you come in here wearing today that God wants to free you from? I want you to consider what that might be in your life. And I just want you, as best as you possibly can, to remember that the answer is in Jesus Christ. And then maybe about two-thirds of the way through the song, when we say, when we sing, let us sing our freedom song. Sing that loud, sing that line the loudest and mean it. And let the last third of the song be you as a completely free person wearing no chains because God has lifted them off of you. Will you let that happen today? Let me pray for us. Father, I pray as we sing this song that the chains would fall off. It would almost seem like we could hear the sounds of chains dropping to the floor, that we would hear the sound of mistakes and regrets and decisions hitting the floor. I pray, God, that you would free some people in the room from weight that they've been wearing for a, a long time that you never intended them to wear. I pray, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would move in a powerful way as we sing this song and that you would free people from the chains and the shackles of sin and shame and that you would usher us into the mighty and amazing grace of God Father, we praise you for the crucifixion and we praise you for the resurrection and we praise you that because of you, we can have life again after death. We can have life again after mistakes. We can have joy and freedom again after we've messed it up. And the answer is in Jesus Christ. And so God, we sing this song to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you guys stand and we sing this song with us? Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com.